And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Michael Horn, who is recently here to talk about Billy Meyer and his experience with aliens. Today, Michael returns to talk about the spiritual lessons that Billy learned from them. Michael, thanks for coming back and welcome. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for having me back on. It's a pleasure to be here, of course. So is it true that Billy has written over 60 books on the spiritual teachings from the aliens? Well, he has written over 60 books on the spiritual teaching, but um, I would say that the majority of that is from information that he accesses himself. And that's a whole, you know, it's a whole interesting topic. I'll touch lightly on it. Meyer, how to say it? Meyer says he is not, for the greater part of it, the author that what he is able to access is what's known as the teaching of creation, the teaching of the truth, the teaching of the spirit, and the teaching of the life. So this is a non-religious, belief-free teaching, something that is instructional and meant to be tested and applied by people. For each individual who's interested to do that, to determine the truth of it, for themselves. And that's where it differs, one of the ways, of course, profoundly, with any belief system, religion, uh, cultic ideas, or what have you. And therefore, you're not asked to take anything on faith, any more than if you get a book that is, uh, well, uh, I've used the analogy before, book that would show you how to fix a car or a computer, how to plant a garden or prepare food. It doesn't tell you to believe anything. It tells you if you take wire A and you connect it to this terminal, that should be really nice and safe. And you proceed from there and you'll get this result when you go through these steps. So that is exactly the way this teaching is presented. It's it's unusual because it's well for anybody that reads it, they can determine whether or not my sense of it being unusual for its clarity and for its ability to draw one into their own thinking capacity, where you don't take a belief, you know, any kind of belief on faith, etc., because beliefs can never be proven. If they were proved to be true, they wouldn't be beliefs. I've used the analogy, do you want to get on a plane with a pilot? Says he's a pilot because he believes he can fly the plane. Or somebody who has passed the requisite testing and demonstrated that they can indeed operate this craft. And you can get on with as much confidence as we could have these days about, you know, somebody piloting a plane. And it's the same with anything else, any craft, any profession, anything we're in we learn to find out what is so, and always to develop and be receptive to new knowledge, new information, and to test it, not to proceed because, well, it's true because this book says it's true. That is, you know, I use this, I say that's what every religion and every belief system in the world throughout history has been founded on, basically, aside from, let's say, uh, tribal beliefs that are, you know, based on, uh, you know, creating figurines and, and little things and ceremonies where 
everything is you know, maybe more of uh, pantheism and what have you. When we're speaking about organized religions, the world's so-called great religions have been here for thousands of years, that basically it rests on what's in this book is true because the book says it's true. Now, maybe the, maybe people will say, well, it's all true. I know it's true. I found it, whatever. But we don't ask uh, when we are studying something that we are given something to to take on you know on that belief so i'm hammering away at that because it's very different so therefore meyer claims that these th this teaching this body of information is vast and that it originates kind of at the beginning of the you know the, the creation of the universe if you will and that it's intended for all human beings any and everywhere and that we are not only not alone in the universe, but we're not quite the crowning glory of it. And it should also be said that Meyer writes the, a, a teaching of this extension of this teaching for the play are and extraterrestrials who are already far more developed and advanced than we are, but who are also students, students of life, students of the truth, of creation, etc. So I, I hope I at least put the basin in place for that when you say that he had access or accessed the information what do you mean by that good question okay now here's where i definitely have to say according to the information in the case because the only time i speak with confidence and state things that i i would say are factual is when i and or others can and or have and will prove it to ourselves based on information that's testable that way. There's things that are not testable to us at this stage of our evolution and development, including the following. Here's a foundation in a sense to give a little context. We are presented in this material with the idea that there's something called the creation. It is in effect, this universe, the consciousness of this universe, the giver and sustainer, creator of all that exists in this universe. And that this is a, if to use the word spiritual or creation energy of unimaginable magnitude and relative perfection, it has its laws of operation. And we, we can determine and know, as a matter of fact, we know for certainty in many areas of life, there are immutable laws. The one I like to cite the most frequently is the law of cause and effect. It's a law that physicians, I should say physicists and physicians as well, will uh, nod their head to, as will anybody in any profession or any student of, of life that understands that if this happens, there's a result. And that result is also a cause. So cause and effect, it's, I, I call it like the, the law of the pendulum. I'm just looking around. I don't really have a pendulum here, but imagine if I did, it, it's like it goes back and forth. Cause and effect is cause and is effect and keeps on going. Well, in this cosmology, in this creation, there are levels of spiritual wisdom and knowledge that are far, far, far more advanced 
than human beings. The interesting thing about that is that according to this teaching, the meaning of life is the evolution of the human consciousness and then to the what we would call spiritual or creational energy development ultimately a very long time from now to remerge this spiritual energy that will embody all that we have been in each of our many 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 lifetimes that evolves to a place of very great knowledge very great wisdom and moves into ever higher levels of existence which are not requiring physical incarnation now there's a lot of new age people that think that they're they're going into their light bodies ascending next month or whatever this is not quite how it works according to this teaching we go through countless lifetimes by we it really means that each human being has a part piece, a small little piece. Sometimes I refer to it as a hologram because it is a piece of this spiritual energy and intelligence and consciousness that each human being has as the human spirit. We won't talk about at this point for animals or other creatures because those spirit forms, those creation energy part pieces are something different. They don't have a self-determining, evolutive consciousness striving. They are instinct-based, and they have a completely different path and destiny. The human being lives each lifetime to the fullest with the positive and the negative. And, you know, we when we leave this as personalities, when we leave this life, there's a whole process that takes place whereby the information, the love, the knowledge, the wisdom of each you know, personality's life is absorbed by this part piece, this spirit, and processed. And each lifetime, it takes that in and unto itself in the process of an evolution that will eventually, long, long time from now, have us in a conscious way, the, a being without the physical body, pure consciousness, spiritual energy, going into higher levels. These higher levels exist already. And in those higher levels, the information of and from this overall creation is known to the let's say, the spiritual consciousnesses that dwell there. And they are able to assist to transmit that teaching, that very, very, very ancient teaching, to, well, rare, you know, not so many people. Throughout history, there's only been a few, and they take it as it's given, word by word, so that nothing is changed, and nothing is altered, and that the Human beings would therefore get this instructional manual, to put it in a uh, you know kind of graspable sense, which is actually quite vast, for us to study, that we may progress understanding how life works, how we in each lifetime can get the best out of it. There's no 
punitive. There's no punishment. There's no hellfire, damnation, you know, born in sin kind of stuff, because that's simply not truth. That's a belief, and that's fine, but it isn't what happens. It, it, we have understandings about what original sin is that are very different than what's carried, let's say, in, in Christianity. So there are beliefs in Judaism and Islam, Christianity, Hinduism, Buddhism, all sorts of things. We are looking to find the purest teaching that we may get on with the process of living lives that are actually very rich with love, peace, freedom, harmony, knowledge, wisdom, compassion, empathy, well, a lot of wonderful things. In this world, which is not known for, uh, let's say, um, extolling these virtues and these qualities, and that's fine because we're in the, the rough and tumble of this very material, physical world, and how are we to navigate this well, everybody is responsible for that for themselves, but it's a good idea to have some operating manuals. You get a car, and if you haven't really, if you're just embarking on driving, and we really are in each lifetime embarking on a drive, you know? So we want to at least say, okay, well, this is how this thing works, but that doesn't mean it solved everything for us. So it's a self-responsible study of information that is said to be a teaching of this creation, of this universe, intended for humankind, that we may know how things operate, actually. And while we will make mistakes, trial and error, which are part of the deal, we have to do it. Otherwise, everything would be perfect. There'd be no reason for all this and this whole evolutionary process. While we are doing this, we make our little progress in each lifetime. And actually, we don't have karma. This is something that gets wrapped up falsely in people's minds if they're into very much into, let's say, more Eastern religions or karma. You're born with all these things that you did and you're going to be punished. You're actually born with a pretty clean slate. We are born, according to this teaching, also with certain abilities, um, certain, let's say, potentials some of which, and much of which in some sense, has been a, a part of our whole legacy as reincarnating spirits with new personalities each time. Now, I don't want to muddy this up. I'm not, you know, I'm not the genius of genius on this. I'm just doing my uh, understanding, expressing my own understanding of it. And then, you know, uh, by the way, there are people that have some really good videos out about this too. And if anybody writes me, I'll send you the, to them, and you can see, you know, see if this makes sense to you in your own study. From what I get, Billy got this information from some advanced being out there somewhere. Is that correct? And if so, how did he get the information? Was it downloaded? Was it given to him from Simyase or some other alien? Well, that's good because it's yes and yes and yes in a way. This it is said that at our stage of development and for a very long time, we are not capable of, let's say, getting information directly from the universe, other than in the way we perceive life and learn its operations and its laws through you know observing nature, observing people, observing the weather, all this stuff is part of an education. But 
the specific teaching and the elements of it uh, are conveyed. For instance, you mentioned, did he get it from an extraterrestrial? In some cases, yes. As a matter of fact, there is a one extraterrestrial named Semyaze, which has no connection to Semyaza, a fallen angel from eons ago. Semyaze, just like Karen and anyway, Semyaze. So she, uh, very early on in the context, spoke a kind of a treatise, if you will, to him and explained the humans, what is the human spirit that it's, you know, no matter, even if the body and mind are asleep, the human spirit is always awake and all. beautiful things that go, th you know, through a, a structure of explaining what this creation energy is in each human being, how it functions and how each human being in each lifetime, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now that's one way. Now, when Meyer's going to write a book, you know, you know, I've dragged books out before, and I'll you know, do it again. For instance, there's a book called "The Way to Live," beautiful book, "The Way to Live." We sure don't have any clue of that in our lifetimes from from society and other things. Um, he sits down and he taps into what are sometimes called the storage banks where this information is stored and accessible to him. That's one way. I'll just you know, go, go there, where he has the ability through his consciousness, just like you would look for a book on a shelf, in a sense, that in this etheric world of mind and spirit and all, he will then go to that place where that teaching is and take it down word for word precisely as it is, as I said, without alteration, where humankind has gotten into most of its trouble, according to this information, is that the previous prophets who were able to do this, people with names like Enoch, Elijah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Emmanuel, and even Muhammad, who did this, were living in times when all of their contemporaries, with the exception sometimes here and there of one or two people, and the rest of the world couldn't read and write. So here you have a prophet. Let's go back and we'll say it's Enoch or whoever. And they are able to come into this thing and they they could maybe if they didn't write and sometimes they didn't, they had a scribe. They would present it. But it invariably happened six previous times in our history with these contactee prophets trying to bring the truth to humankind that we might kind of get on the right path for ourselves, that there were always people who took that and changed it. That's one of the foundational elements in this whole case. They explain it. This was done, let's say, by in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam the Judeo-Christian religions, where this same information that we have now in Meyer's 60 books and more um, was at least good parts of it were made available. And then they were tailor-made, chopped up, altered, redacted, and edited, and beyond recognition of what the teaching was. People can say, oh, you know, it couldn't be possible. And I say, you ever play telephone? You know, take, <laughs> you can take as few, you know, three, four people, six, eight, ten people, and you whisper something in somebody's ear, and by the time it comes back to you, it may not quite 
being what it started out. As a matter of fact, it may oftentimes be unrecognizable. And that was done according to what is printed in this material. The purpose of Meyer's life now is far less about UFOs and extraterrestrials. That's the eye candy. That's the attention getter, the controversy stirrer. But it's to bring one more time this teaching meant and intended for all of humankind, every race, religion, skin color, anything else, for whoever wants it. It's not mandatory. You're not going to be punished if you don't look into this. You're not going to go to purgatory and hell and you know be barred from uh, sitting on a cloud with a harp. This is up to each person to discover and determine for themselves. But it doesn't have rituals and superstitions and beliefs. And so, therefore, it is very unfamiliar in this sense to people, because if you use a word like it, that they've used for a long time, a spiritual, it conjures up things. Well, isn't that religious? Isn't a prophet a religious person? Or, you know, are, well, no, it's simply it's a teaching and throughout our history, because of the way things have gone, we have concepts and images and ideas about what truth is, what a, you know, what a God is or a savior or a saint, angels, things that basically are creations of human beings. We never see these things except, you know, unless people, I'm seeing demons. Okay, well. And of course, when we present this information, when I present this information, as anybody who's watched any of the videos, including on, on your channel, you look at the comment section and people have some rather colorful uh, perceptions and comments and views of whatever I've presented or of me. They suddenly see me with, as an alien or a reptilian or this or that. You know, and these are all projections. You know, I, you know, we are who we are. We look the way we look. And what we're trying to do is actually separate all of the unreality and to usher ourselves into a place where we start to see things as they really are. What is real? Dare we do that? And is it really so bad to present another viewpoint that is, uh, you know, it, you know, never done harm to anybody? I was thinking about this recently because I looked up uh, information on the Library of Alexandria from you know centuries and centuries ago, this was a repository. I'm not ex an expert on library. I'll give you the overview that I understand. This was a repository of millions of documents pertaining to everything, the natural sciences, the wonders, etc. And it was indeed the Catholic Church that made sure that this place was burned to the ground. And in the Meyer material, what they made clear was that had that not occurred, had that rich, rich body of information and teaching and all sorts of things that goes back a very, very far uh, way into history we don't even know that exists. Had that not been destroyed and humankind had access to it, 200 years ago, by that time, by 200 years ago, humankind would have been space traveling and already exploring other planets in the universe. That's what happens when the truth gets corrupted and it threatens those who have another agenda. It's a fact that the terrible purging and burning happened. It's not anti-anything to say it. I mean, I could bring up the document and 
give you the details and you can go to Wikipedia and read about it. That was done because some people long ago decided they were going to change the teaching of the truth and the spirit and the life to profit from it and thereby, thereby had to do something that would make people believe and fear. I won't go beyond that at this point, but Meyer is able to go to where this material, this information is, so he says, and transcribe it. And so no harm has ever been done by the prophets before, the contact people, nor Meyer. And yet 25 times people have tried to kill him, threatened his life, tried to kidnap his children. So a thinking person's going to go, well, what's so terrible about all this? It's nothing obligatory. You don't even have to pay attention. Shut it off. And the fun, the funny part to me, it, if there was anything funny about it, whenever we bring this information forward, you know, different shows and interviews, there are hmm, a small number of people who come on to try to attack, let's say, Billy's evidence and him and his history and all this stuff knowing only parts of it and manipulating it. And the weird part about it is some people actually have as many, literally, as a dozen false screen names. And they, as soon as they see anything, they jump on to try to, you know, distract or detract people. But unlike me and other people who will come forward and say, well, this is what it is to the best of my knowledge, these people won't step forward as who they really are and say, hey, this is why I disagree. I can show you this, and I can prove that this is... No, it's all done surreptitiously. So there is something so threatening, so they believe, about a man who comes forward, asks nothing of anybody, doesn't come... He's not doing these interviews. He's not having these conversations. He publishes his writing, teaching, all these things, puts it out there, People are free to do or not do. And, you know, yes, we sell his books because it costs a small fortune to publish these things for them. And they keep the prices low. I mean, you know, everybody always wants to attack. Well, why are you selling? Well, what are you going to do? This is the world we live in. And they're very well made, beautifully done. So they're going to last. And so they cost money. Again, you don't have to buy anything because on my blog alone, well, coupled with my website, we have about 2,200 free articles. If anybody's gone through all of those and they want to complain, they should certainly get in touch with me. You said he got this information from, I think you called a data bank. A storage bank. A storage mm -hmm. bank. Would that be the same thing that some people call the Akashic Records? Not really. That's a term. I think it was Rudolf Steiner who came up with that term. It's kind of a close idea. Uh, I won't pretend to give you all of the subtle distinctions. I, I know that some of it, but you can just think of it as an etheric, you know, a non-material, uh, physical, dense, uh, you know, computer storage or a, a place where everything is kept. And indeed, the storage banks, as it's referred to, and there are different kinds of storage banks. There's personal storage banks, there's uh, planetary and global, it goes on and on. But the storage banks, as they pertain to our world, have the most important and relevant information on every personality who's ever lived, meaning every 
personality that's the, the the animated human being that is enlivened by the same reincarnating spirit form so each subsequent life we have but it's this developing spirit and let's say there's 10 billion people so there's 10 billion of these spirit forms currently incarnated all of us have had previous lifetimes but it is said then that somehow this vast storage bank can contain all of the information and for purposes of the, in this teaching there the, you know i'll give you an idea that there are illustrations of this that are rather interesting new creation created spirit for how this thing works with the uh you know the planetary storage bank a cosmic storage bank, universal storage bank. you know i'm telling you there's a lot to go through here but it's not that you have to understand all you will probably want to i do i want to but i'm st i still go well, wait a minute how does that work you know what is that eh, okay i don't know <laughs> but the, the thing is that you you are free to to ponder to question to doubt to you know say well I, that makes sense that doesn't make sense whatever it's part of jumping forward the people some folks who've done some really good graphs and videos explain these things nicely so that you can get into that uh understanding meyer has books literally that explain all of this and it's quite detailed it goes it's very detailed he has a book that as i may have said in the previous show is probably the most amazing book of all um because it deals with the actual first emergence of being, of existence in the emptiness that is called the void. We think of everything in terms, you know, on our world, well, here we are, and there's the sky, and that's the universe. When we are presented with literally the graph of what this universe is, where we are in it, and, and then realize that outside of it is endless nothingness, how did that ever happen? Where does it, you know, how far does it go? And these are really difficult existential questions. And there are no belief systems, no religions in the world that really want people to try and look at that because it brings into doubt and question so many things because it is, you know, a, a factor of existential uh, imponderability in a way angst you know we, we i asked meyer about this about 10 years ago because when i was a kid i was trying to figure out what's outside of space how far does it go how can there be nothing you know and i i could never it just dead ends and so i was asking about that i said you know billy the idea that the creation this universe in which you know which is said to be one of countless billions if you want to go there but this universe that we're in is floating in this void this endless nothing what what can you tell me about that and he says the human being cannot really understand that it is enough to drive a person crazy which i knew because it was even as a kid and i said well what about the play are and extraterrestrials do they have the answers he said no they only know so much as well and so he finally put out the book on that where you it's just an amazing book i am reading it very slowly because i've wanted the answers to this all my life here's the answers and wow what you know it's like I, there's no reference point for a lot of this but yet the physics of it is in there as well the physics of creation um meyer just isn't like a little he's not a hippie sitting on a hill 
This is a man who knows more about virtually anything than anybody I know of or have ever met because his knowledge of, of things pertaining to the planets in our solar system, to black holes in space, to other things pertaining to the universe, to time, to different dimensional things that the Pleiaren, of course, know more about some of these things pertaining to uh, space and time than he, but these people, they, as well as Meyer, travel in space and time. And that opens up another whole can of worms. And by the way, yes, been able to prove that in one paper, very simple, ironclad, courtroom quality stuff. And yet our scientists, they don't want to go there. It's too simple. It's too, can't be. Easy to prove. Doesn't mean that I know how it's how it's done or can explain it. And they are very, uh, let's see, modest in what they share about technology because they know that the people on Earth are often less interested in finding out some of the greater cosmic questions than they are of how to get technologies and then use them for war and destruction, such as is happening now with AI, as Billy Meyer specifically predicted in 1987, and it's unfolding now. In the beginning, you talked about that there is a universal consciousness that created everything in this universe. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that's kind of what some people would refer God as to being. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Well, some people, of course, think, let's say if you have a religious uh, deity-based uh, polytheistic religion like Christianity or a monotheistic religion here and there, you're going to think of, well, that which, you know, created everything is God. And that's the way human beings have been uh, taught this for a long time. And part of the responsibility, or you could use the word fault, for this understanding lies with some of the extraterrestrials, their ancestors, who came here going back eons and eons ago, space travelers millions of years ago, very powerful, very knowledgeable, encountering very primitive, slowly evolving human beings at different epochs as well, and representing themselves as the creators of everything, as the gods and lords. And there are tricky little glimpses of these things that did get through in some of the, you know, teaching and all. Um, and when you bring it up, let's say, you know, I think it's, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I think it's in Genesis and let us create man in our image. When you bring that up to somebody who's, let's say, a New Testament scholar, they have an explanation for it. And these explanations always bother me, no matter what they are. And I'll tell you why. You know, since we've touched into this and God and what is that, now and I'll get right to what there's in this material, what they tell you it is. But first, when you have a supposedly infallible deity and its word is every word written in a book, and I've encountered this because, you know, at my age, I've been met with, talked with, discussed, argued with all sorts of people. And I say, well, what about this? Well, that isn't what it means, I'm told, as soon as it. I bring up something like that and let us create man in our image. It's in there. No, you see, that is talking, that isn't what it meant. I said, well, I thought this was the infallible word of God. 
Well, it is. Well, then why are you interpreting it and telling me it's, and well, biblical scholars, have, it either is, you don't need a biblical scholar to understand certain things, but some people say, no, you do. But it either is what it says or it isn't. So let's find out to answer your question a little better. When Meyer asked them very early on, do you have God in your world? They said, well, we we know what that means, and it's very different. And he said, what do you mean what it means? Well, they said there were ancestors of ours and other evolved space-traveling extraterrestrials who came to your world eons ago, different epochs, as I said, and they set themselves up here as the rulers, and it told the people they were the creators and all the rest. They Many of them had great wisdom. They had great knowledge and great technological abilities, but as can happen to any human being throughout evolution, many of them were more interested in having power and control and manipulating, lording it over the primitive earth humans. Now, some were a little more benevolent, some were not, and we have some histories in this material that go back 22 million years that speak specifically about some of what are called creator overlords, who were genetic manipulators who actually brought forth, if you will, through genetic manipulation, some of the, um, let's say, we could call them early ancestors of Earth people. They, they brought people here who are already human beings, but who had been genetically modified in certain ways. This is dealt with rather extensively in this material, and I don't want to open something and, and then jump away from it too much, but I'm glad to try to answer. So what Meyer said is, in order for people to learn about the creation, this thing that we don't exist without, nothing does, and to understand that God in every instance then was a very highly evolved human being, but not the creation itself. And many knew much about the laws of the universe and all, but just far, far, far more evolved, not always positively, but evolved than the human beings that they lorded over. And so inconsistencies and discrepancies and pondering, well, why if the sole creator of the universe showed up 5,000 years ago for the Jews or 2,000 years ago for the Christians or, you know, uh, what is it, 1,200 years? I don't even know exactly the date for Muhammad, maybe it was 1,600 years ago, whatever. Um, why didn't they, now that we've got, you know, this whole vast interconnected electronic world, why didn't any one of these only solitary gods and creators show up and say, hey, now that you're all here and I got your attention, let me straighten all this stuff out. Well, the player and say, well, it's because in every case, it wasn't that. And that they said, we don't, we don't disparage people who have beliefs or see things differently. We don't respect beliefs. And this is something I think I told you, you know, I walked up to a guy one day, an, art, an artist, and he, he was a Sufi or you know, a Muslim in some form. And I said, but I just want to tell you, I have no respect for your beliefs. I hope you feel the same way about mine. I really do respect your values. You seem like a really 
cool person, but you know, and it was just threw him off and it was a little tongue in cheek, but it's true. I don't respect anybody's belief. What happens if somebody converts? Now I've got to forget about all that respect I had when they were, uh, I don't know, Zoroastrians, and now they're becoming, uh, you know, Buddhists or Hindu. I got to start respecting that again. No, I, we either respect people or we don't. And as far as what people believe and like and all, it's not necessary to respect it. That's my, you know, something. People are going to go blasphemy, sacrilege. Yeah. Why? I wouldn't ask anybody to believe what I believe. I hope I don't have a bunch of beliefs. But let's say somebody says, I think you believe this thing. Eh, okay, you don't have to believe it. Or help me, you know, to see that. And I might look at that and say, well, do, do I have a belief here? What do I know? This has so many layers. So you come back to the idea of a, you know, a guy in the sky, a sky daddy, whatever, you know floating around, supposedly he's going to grant wishes. The illogic of it has always been painful for me. A terrible incident happens. It's either a shooting somewhere or an avalanche kills off a village of people, and people want to go and pray. Well, I'm saying, well, why? If there's an omnipotent being, this is just logic to me, and not meant to offend anybody, but if there's an omnipotent being, it certainly knew what's going to happen. It might have even, in some cases, said, well, it should happen. Who knows? But so now who's God if I start praying heavenward to a deity to tell him, hey, please do this for so-and-so, and please fix my life this way. Either there's an omnipotent, omniscient, perfect deity that you don't have to badger endlessly and hurl prayers at and occupy, you know, and get me this and kill those people, they're my, and all this stuff. Or there isn't. So what if we're really responsible for our own lives, but we live in and because of and from and with a consciousness of infinite, un unlimited wisdom, knowledge, and love, where it intends nothing negative towards anybody. But we will find that human beings will create negativity for others and themselves, and we will have the consequence of that. We usually end up punishing ourselves. This is where you, you know, books and books start to read this and understand. And then it goes, well, you know, this is very different from what I was raised with. I say, I know. No obligation, you know. And if you don't know that I study this, and I don't know that you believe that, but we are simply human with each other, and we are respectful of each other. And we're not trying to convert, and, you know, pervert and <laughs> every other vert each other and harm each other. But we see this life force, this universality, a universe within a body. That's us, every human being, different. Each of us, so different. If we could get to that, boy, all the rest of the stuff, politics, religion, belief systems, wars, all the rest, it'd be a thing of the hit, of, you know, of history of the past. And people would liberate themselves from the fear which produces anger and violence and the fear of not enough, the acquisitiveness. All of these things are wound together. It isn't a simple thing like, well, you said that, you know, what? What do the parents say about God? It, it goes on and on because it's a reflection of us, what we as human beings have inherited culturally, socially, religiously, po politically, and how far most of it is from the true cornerstones of life, love, 
peace, freedom, harmony, self-responsibility, clarity, neutrality. The Swiss now are giving up their neutrality, as was predicted by Meyer, and it's happening as predicted in published books from decades ago. And now they're going to bring down upon themselves when the, when the, you know, I know I go off on some things here, but it's all related to me. You know, in my mind, it's related. This war thing that's going to go very, very badly since NATO, the U.S. and Ukraine provoked a war with Russia, long foretold, even back in, as recently, not only nine years ago in 2014, in the material, they're talking about, you know, there's a coming situation with Ukraine and it could go very badly to a third world war. Well, that's where it's going now, unfortunately. And Switzerland, the last bastion as a, as a country of neutrality, as a foundational policy, giving up their neutrality, they're going to throw in their lot with America and NATO and Ukraine, and it's going to go very badly for us. So how we got from God and spirit to that, well... Earlier, you talked about the original sin. Mm -hmm. What is it? Okay, good. It's connected to all this. Here's what's said in this material. And it's it's presented uh, in a few places very specifically. The forefathers of the alleged, if you will, play iron extraterrestrials, eons ago, space-traveling warriors, you know, uh, Star Wars on steroids, I often say. They traveled in places in the universe and they destroyed things. They enslaved people. They finally came to a peaceful place 52,000 years ago for the current Playaran people. And part of what they knew to have happened, because of what I'll tell you, has affected us to this day. There were there was a lineage of these ancient Playaran people, the, actually the Lyrian people. They were rather large, giant-type people who ventured off to the Syrian star system, the S-I-R-I-A-N, Syrian star system, where they decided to leave all of that behind them. And they focused on beauty, arts, opulence, they even genetically engineered out of themselves, out of their genes, the fighting spirit that all creatures, human and others, need to survive in these material worlds. They just decided, that's so unpleasant, let's get rid of that too. That, because of the way life works, that started to attract the attention of some ho still hostile extraterrestrials to them or extra Syrians to them. And they they would come under attack and what have you. So they they were still they were very smart, uh, even though they did a stupid thing. They were smart enough to genetically manipulate some races on their world or worlds to become warrior defenders for them until they could straighten their own genetics out, their own master race, if you will, out back to a place of you know balance positive and negative. And what they did is they genetically manipulated. Well, they, they worked with two 
genetic factors, genes in the body, and I'm not a geneticist, but I'll just tell you what the information is. They knew what the gene was because they were able to get it out of themselves. That had uh, the ability that created the ability for self-defense and violence, aggression, whatever. And what they did is with these people, they amped it up. They cranked it. And then they did another thing because these were long-lived people, these Syrians, well over a thousand-year lifespans. They turned that gene way down for these folks to about a maximum of about 100 years so that they could grow up, they could live, they could you know, become very effective warrior defenders while these people are straightening out themselves. But they would start and they implanted in there, not only turn that, they implanted genetic um, predispositions for degenerative diseases. So you had these little guys that were ready to, you know, fight and they loved it and at a drop of a whatever, but they couldn't live long enough to come together as long-lived warriors to overthrow the these, you know, creator overlords. So the tale goes on that when the balance had been regained by the Syrians themselves, they recognized, at least a faction of them did, that they didn't need these folks anymore. And that faction wanted to exterminate them. Another faction in their world, because these were people that also prided themselves on their consciousness and spiritual development, said, no, well, that's the wrong thing to do. We can't know. And this was a debate that went on until the way it's put in the material pretty much is one night. Vast numbers of people, these genetically manipulated people were loaded on big ships and they left that Syrian star system as fast as they could and went into the depths of space. There's something about going into another time-space configuration. That's not my area of expertise. And what happened was they looked for new home worlds to bring these people to. And they came with this intention. Now, this is a long journey through space and time somewhat. And so some of these benevolent overlords were also developing their own ideas about how they could benefit from this and be worshipped and what have you. They find a distant galaxy, kind of off. Uh, there was like a spiral galaxy on one of the arms of it. At the end, there was three planets in a solar system that they could inhabit. There were certain things they'd have to change uh, that would be challenging the quality of the air, blah, blah, but they could get it going. And they did. And it turns out that the planets, they gave the names. And we have heard about this sometimes, some people have, Malona or Phaeton. And the other names should be familiar to us, Mars and Earth. Three factions of these creative uh, creator overlords sat down with these folks. And this goes on for thousands of years in these places, eventually on the planet Malona. Now, remember, you're dealing with their population. They rule over, still have these genetic manipulations. They still have a propensity for violence, relatively short lifespans, but they can progress technologically, and they do. But then, according to their natures, they start warring against each other. And one particular event is that they detonate nuclear bombs, uh, they direct 
seawater into magma chambers in volcanoes and Kapawi. They blow that planet to smithereens. As a matter of fact, all that's left of Malona Phaeton is what we today call the asteroid belt. And that orbit of the asteroid belt is where Mars used to be. And Mars is now in the orbit, I think if I've got it right, where Phaeton Malona used to be. Okay, so that, they're gone, except, of course, we'll, if we get to the law of reincarnation, where they show up. There is a destroyer comet that comes through our solar system every 675 years or whatever. And at, in one of those passes, and this is going back a couple hundred thousand years at least, it throws Mars into such turmoil that the people who can escape have to flee. And they come to Earth. And Mars becomes you know, a barren place as we see it now. There are still remnants of the Martian existence uh, that were there as of 1995. Some now also may be gone for other reasons, but most of the actual remnants and so-called stations were said to be underground. What we see, what people think is the face on Mars, according to this material, is simply a you know a phenomenon of the you know geology of the planet. It's not truly a sculpture, although they had they did all sorts of stuff there. This is again, this is information that I'm kind of gliding over here. So on Earth, we remain here. Those creative overlords, creator overlords, I keep saying creator, are among some of the earliest gods. Some of them, you know, disappear over time, die off, go somewhere else, what have you. Others show up, come down from the sky. We have it legends in our books about all this but we here's the here's the thing about the original sin those adjustments were the original sin and on top of that we the people of earth are still plagued by those two genetic manipulations the good news being according to my material that they are on the scientists are on to identifying and discovering and working towards modifying the gene for the shortened lifespan. We are told in this material that the lifespan boost is going to jump to about 125 or 145 years in the not too distant future and sequentially go up even by leaps and bounds over many eons if we survive ourselves. The aggression and war, you know, violent nature that we have that we are in a sense plagued by to a degree we're still responsible for our behaviors but that gene also must be modified to help us before we could ever truly go to space and go to try to discover things out in space and meet with other beings who aren't so violence prone but are more than capable of dusting us off quite simply because they're far more advanced and we will, under the best of circumstances in hundreds of years, have those genetic manipulations mastered if we if we survive certain things that are coming in the not too distant future, and if we make it over that bridge, then those genetic manipulations will be part of what the human species brings to itself, gifts itself with, and that will break 
this burden and plague of the original sin. We're not born in sin. You know, I this was another great little argument I had with. I said, look, you're going to tell me that a guy was born 2,000 years ago who died for my sins 2,000 years before I was even born to contemplate committing him. I say, that isn't making sense to me. Okay, you want to buy into that, but I, I'm not a sinner. I've got certain things that I got to work through and nobody's going to dip me in hot lead after I die because I only got this much done or that much done. What we want to do in coming back to the original sin is get that rectified so that our, you know, distant, you know, descendants among whom we will be in different personalities, not remembering this, will be able to have the magnificence of, of long and much more productive lives and exploring true space eventually and time travel. So otherwise, there's no original sin. We just have to control ourselves, take care of ourselves to live as long and as healthily as we can, and to be in control of our emotions and our feelings or behaviors. Um, you know, who doesn't know that hot rush of adrenaline and anger and all to some degree in their life that is disproportionate to how the true human being would react to things. Were you also saying earlier that basically there is no such thing as karma? That's right. Karma presupposes, karma presupposes that, of course, you've sinned or you've committed these terrible things, which, of course, you can commit terrible things. It's not to say you didn't or one hasn't or doesn't or didn't or won't. But it says you're going to be born with the burden of those and be punished somehow, or you'll, you know, you're going to, you'll have these deformities or you're going to be a killer again. No, that logic, we would, we wouldn't have any of the wonderful things that have occurred for human beings throughout history. Everything isn't all, you know, this darkness. We have to go there explain a little bit of how and why these contacts are going on, this contrast in realities. So we may come in with certain talents, predispositions towards certain things, affinities for certain things, aversions. This is human beings come in, but we're not being punished for something that, quote unquote, we, meaning our previous personality that we aren't now, did. Otherwise, how would you ever get, you know, we you, you have a short lifespan, 70 to 100 years, if you're lucky. How are you ever going to get through what you did all these other times if there's reincarnation, which, according to this material, of course, is a fact of life? We don't know. Is it true or not? Think about it. But the karma thing, no. We, we would just be a mess every time, you know, a little baby pops out, it's already gone. Oh my gosh, this is looking bad already, you know. So we've got to we've got to think our way through this stuff a little bit. I'm assuming then you would also say even within a, this lifetime there would be no karma like you did something bad a month ago and now something bad happens to you and you may say, "Oh, well that's karma for what I did, you know, a month ago." No, it's that there's cause and effect. And every cause has an effect and it's a stu it's a dumb law. Meaning, it, it doesn't play favorites. It doesn't punish this person because it doesn't like it. And it doesn't bestow anything. It's like people say, well, the universe is getting... No, the universe, did it did its thing. The universe created all life and all the laws of operation. And it's not, it's not coming down to help you with your career or this or that. 
we are creating our lives and our destiny moment by moment and thought by thought. So when we do something, let's say out of ignorance, we accidentally knock somebody down. We didn't mean it. And we react to that. We know we didn't mean it. We try to render some aid. We apologize, whatever. Let's just say. So we we already know that we don't prefer to do harm. Okay. There are people, clearly, <laughs> news is full of them all the time, that are psychopaths, sociopaths, and they do harm. Some of these people seem to get away. They escape, and people are angry. Well, we know he was guilty, and he got off free. But there's a thing called a conscience in a human being. And for many people that are uh, you know, psychopaths, pathological liars, sociopaths, that, that conscience is not seemingly reaching the conscious person very often. And it seems like they go scot-free through life doing all these things. But cause and effect, uh, uh, there are things that affect a person. And I don't want to go too far into this because it's it's something that sounds a little strange, but Meyer in the teaching has said, people have to understand that we punish ourselves ultimately, or we bestow our own, you know, gifts of joy and the rest of it on us. And other people can, you know, somebody can hurt you. That's true. Somebody can do something good for you. But basically, as he said, we are the smith. We forge our own destiny. If we understand the law of cause and effect, we work to try to do, think, feel, and do those things in a way that are harmonious, since we know that life is, if anything, designed to open up unlimited abundance to us. We've just gotten crazy about trying to amass stuff because we're fearful of death, fearful of life, fearful of not having enough. So if we even contemplate, well, how can there be enough? I mean, when we, when you get to realizing that when you have enough, and this means anybody at any place, they look around and say, I really do have enough. You're wealthy. When you have enough, you're wealthy. What more do you need than what you need? And then therefore you have it. Okay, you can, you can raise your needs and wants and desires. That's fine. That's up to every person. So with the idea of the punishment and the karma, it comes to a point in life where the consciousness, which is in many people, there's an unconscious part of us that we are not in touch with. There is a subconscious part of us that often we get inspirations or glimmers or insights from as well. When we are leaving this world, it is said in the teaching that those people who have done so much to bring harm to others, that is coming back to them as an energy at this point, as an awareness. Now, you may not see it on somebody that's passing out of this world, but it is happening to that personality. The last things that they are going through as they depart this existence is the the actual reception awareness and energetic of what this has you know been what they've done and feeling and knowing that that's a hell right there however they're done with this life when they leave it and when they're born again there's this beautiful little baby could have been a very unpleasant person <laughs> previous in existence but it's not guilty it doesn't carry that sin now with this i'm not going to try to to go and explaining more than I feel comfortable in, in having any understanding of it. I won't even call it deep knowledge. There are things in here, 
and where it's explained further, where we start to understand. And we understand in that sense that for its own sake, for our own sake, we want to learn more about this cause and effect, how life works, the good, the bad, the ugly, to, to not be self-pitying, very important no matter what. Meyer's the least self-pitying human being I've ever known of or met for a man that's been shot at 25 times and had half his arm ripped off his body, the rest of it. No self-pity, just that this is the life. This is what I have. I go through it. I am grateful to learn my lessons. Yeah, okay, well, I don't want that one. Well, what if you get it? So there are things here that people don't ordinarily sit down to think about for better or for worse because for better and for worse, we have the technology we've got that bombards us with external, exterior stimulation, diversion, entertainment, threats and fears and this and that and wars and and, the, and now the climate and all. And so we're we're very busy trying to survive and creating anxiety and high blood pressure. I've had that. I mean, I know what that's been like. And then you, you go, oh, okay, I think it makes more sense to not go there. So when we get this commonality of life experience that we understand that it's a commonality, we all go through it. Mm -hmm. The person that you might be most envious of, you think Elon Musk Mellon has everything on earth. Well, he's still going through stuff. He's got to smoke himself into oblivion occasionally, I guess, to because he, there's stuff he can't have. We're all dealing with it, you know, and if if your wealth disappears, you're still you and you got to, you know, go through it all. So this frees a person up. It frees you up. People can say or do or whatever they want. They can like you. They can hate you. They can love you. They can despise you. And actually, this will sound strange. You have a neutrality towards them. You may not like them. That's human. But you can have an intrinsic love for another human being that you want nothing to do with. You don't have to run over and try and hug them because they're going to pop you on if you try. You just get it. That's another human being. Well, there he is. You know, I'm sure I've done something like that in one of those other times. Who knows? We need to free up our consciousness, our, our feelings, harmonize the feelings and the thoughts. Gain control over the emotions through gaining control over the thoughts. Be gentle with ourselves and with each other in a reasonable way. You don't let anybody walk over you, but don't take everything so, such a slight. We're not burdened by the last life. We come in with a fresh slate, with each with some peculiarities, albeit some talents, some gifts, some disabilities at times and all the rest. Yeah. That's, those are the cards. Let's make the best of it. And then we learn day by day, over and over, lifetime after lifetime, what this is about. And it's not really about UFOs and, and extraterrestrials, even though in a sense it is because it's all part of the human evolution. We'll have those toys at some point and make mistakes with them and have the problems, you know. You know. There's nobody that has it better if we truly value each life experience and love deeply, unconditionally, responsibly, <laughs> reasonably, and become true human 
beings. I believe that Billy writes that the reason that we do keep coming back over and over again is just to evolve. Is that correct? Yes. Um, you know, we have this film, it's called The Silent Revolution of Truth. And uh, if people want that, and they write an email to me and say, please send me that film for free. All they have to do is mention you for the show, and I'll do that with an email address, of course. In that film, early on, Billy Myers asked something. He says, the meaning of life is the evolution of consciousness. And consciousness is moved along the spirit Creation energy part piece is a separate thing. It's the battery for this whole thing for now. And it is absorbing after each lifetime is passed. It's absorbing the, the necessary love, knowledge, wisdom, building, and all of that stuff. So consciousness evolves in each lifetime. And then far, far down the, the road, other interesting things happen. And, you know, then there is, it is said, and can't prove it, so I don't believe it. I just don't know. But it sounds good. There is the, the point in which we transition from the physical to semi-material, semi-physical, semi-kind of etheric, kind of a little translucence, if you will. And that's where the high council is said to be in the Andromeda galaxy. Oh, my gosh. I'll stop there because it just, there's so much. We don't know anything. We yeah. don't know anything. That's why I just have to say this is, is, is delightful. Every time I do something and, you know, we're talking primarily most of the interviews, you know, a lot of people want a UFO thing. And then people are putting up all these comments about what's real and not real. And that looks like this looks like. And I try to say to people, and I've said it many times when I've had the opportunity, folks, you don't know anything. You have ideas, you have beliefs, you think, maybe so, you like this, you like that, you don't like this and that, but you don't yet know anything. Everything that anybody in this or any other audience knows about UFOs and extraterrestrials, for the most part, has come through ufology, online so-called expert, all this stuff. But where is the evidence? So I, I know people. And there's some people I don't agree with now, and I happen to like them, and vice versa. There are people I agree with, I don't necessarily like, but very few people know anything because they don't know this material. Well, how can that be the only? Where's the evidence? Nobody else has it. And that's not to attack anybody. No, folks, I'm just being honest with you. So if people make comments, say, well, you this, this, well, then. First thing you do is you present evidence to me because I want to see it. In the 44 years I've been researching this, I've looked at just about every, you know, certainly well-known UFO case, but they all rely on third-hand anecdotal or just, you know, what's the best way of putting it? Um, not information or evidence that you can make a firm determination conclusion and say we can substantiate the authenticity this is of extraterrestrial manufacture so all sorts of things flying around some are et i'm sure of course and some aren't so if we go to the unasked question in ufology if these contacts are real what's the reason for them well, this is what we're talking about today. This is why you've done a rare thing here. I don't mind saying it. You've devoted 
this show primarily to the most important part, the reason. And the reason, if you want to scratch it a little farther down, it's to help us assure our own very threatened future survival. They're giving us these histories. They're giving us this overview. They're showing us technology. They're giving us information impossible for anybody to know without time and space travel to say, okay, yeah, there's some other things going on in the universe. And if you guys will just dig a little bit here, you might be able to get off your dead end track because otherwise you're going to do what's happened to some other folks and other civilizations. You're going to set yourselves back to the Stone Age, if, if that, and have to start all over again. And we'll have to come back in about 5,000 years after that and see what, what you've done with it. It might sound, sound like you know doom and gloom or sci-fi to people, but again... We can't do anything with UFOs now. What are we going to do? The best, Billy's got the best photos, the best evidence. We look at that. What are we going to do? We're going to reflect on, wait a minute, what does this mean? <laughs> this is from another world. And they're not trying to shove it down our throats. Nobody's attacked us. It's about our future survival, giving us what we need to mature in this life and the next and the next and the next. Michael, if people want to find out more about your material or anything more about Billy Meyer, what's the best way to contact you? Well, I have theyflyblog.com. That's my main website. And there was another website linked from it. It's just theyfly.com. We stopped updating that in 2015, but there's still like 200 articles there. I have an email address, michael at theyfly.com. So, you know, they can replay this part of the show or something, and they see, oh, theyflyblog.com, Michael at theyfly.com. Okay, I can pester this guy now with, and tell him why he's wrong and send him, you know, UFO evidence or whatever. Or I can ask him, please, just send me that free great film that he says is probably the best UFO film ever made. Okay, Silent Revolution of Truth. You can have it for free. Why not? So there it is. And so the people who, you know, they're, People want to get this, you know, I guess we kind of put an end to the naysayer argument that we're trying to sell you a bunch of stuff. No, this is optional. We have 2,200 articles. It's all free to read it. Go there. When you've gotten through that, call me in the next lifetime, whatever. Theflyblog.com. Thank you. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? Well, I, the first thing that popped in my mind, just as you were saying that, is what Billy said long ago. The human being is the smith, the, the person that forges, the smith of their own destiny. And that it will tie in the meaning of life is the evolution of consciousness. The foundations, love, peace, freedom, harmony. The law of cause and effect behind it all, the ability to use neutral, positive thinking, to see things exactly as they are first, then decide what, if you're going to do something else, how you feel about that. But we become a little more thoughtful, so we're not quite so impulsive. There are many wonderful things coming humankind's way. It might still be a while before we get a lot of that, and hopefully we make it there together, you know. Different forms, different bodies, what have you. Yeah. They have a, there's a, a word that's used 
Salome. There's a Salome peace meditation. There's a monthly free online in connection meeting with people from all over the world. Once a month, everybody gets together. No leaders. It's always shared. Okay. The Salome peace meditation is said to be done by 3.4 extraterrestrial human beings on our behalf to try to help us, to help ourselves to bring peace here instead of this insanity that we keep doing. So I'm on the side of that. So I say Salome is peace, you know, to all living beings. Yeah. Good idea. Michael, thank you for that message. And thank you for coming back and sharing with us again. My pleasure. Thank you, Jeff, for opening the door to the most important part of the Billy Meyer Connects. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.